Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. All praise be to Allah, the Lord of the Worlds. Over 100 episodes, almost 40 different ethnic backgrounds, living in almost 30 different countries. In just two seasons, the Niqabi Diaries podcast has brought you the stories of Muslim women across the globe. Women united in sisterhood by their commitment to the Deen of Islam. Welcome to season three of the Naqabi Diaries podcast, where, inshallah, we will continue to bring you the stories of the women behind the veil. The Naqabi Diaries, our experiences, our perspectives, our voices. I'm your host, Samar, and thank you for listening. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to another episode of season three of the Naqabi Diaries. Alhamdulillah, we have with us a sister. Um, today to share her story also about her journey to the Naqab. Sister, could you please introduce yourself for the listeners and tell us a little bit about what you do, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Good day, everyone. I am Hajra Uthman by name, a mother of three and a digital marketing strategist and expert. I basically coach small business owners on how to simplify their marketing online and also help established businesses with strategies they can use to scale their businesses using the various online platforms. So that's basically all I do. And alhamdulillah, so far the journey has been good. So that's um, about it. <laughs> so um, can you tell us a little bit about your Islamic background and how you started wearing the niqab? Oh, it was, okay, I grew up in, uh, I wouldn't say it was a fully, my parents are both Muslims and growing up in the northern part of Nigeria where it is, where predominantly Muslims in the north. So we kind of like grew into Islam, you know, you were born into an Islamic family, found yourself in an Islamic community. So everything was just um, by default, right? Mm -hmm. But there were things I didn't know about, even though we're going to the Islamia. Islamia is, um, I don't know what you call it over there, but like a school dedicated to teaching Islamic studies okay. and um, the Quran. So though we were going, but there were fundamental things I didn't know about till I was in the university. And um, there was my journey to the Niqab was a funny one because we were on break and I was having a discussion with a friend. She was telling me, um, wow, it fascinates her the way people use it. And she just wonders how they can breathe in it. And I was like, I don't think I can ever use this thing. I mean, it will suffocate me. <laughs> and funny enough, of the two of us, I am the one who currently uses it. So when I gained admission, I was staying with a family friend who was an Ikabi. And you know, every day seeing somebody doing it, you kind of like get curious. So on this day, I was like, um, I think I should try it on and see how she feels. And subhanAllah, I tried it on and went to the faculty for lectures. And it felt as if I was floating in the air. I mean, the whole feeling was, um, I don't know, it was amazing. And I was like, wow, this is so different from, you know, what I usually feel. 
Alhamdulillah, mashallah. So I used both her hijab and her niqab and I was like, yeah, salam. The feeling was, I couldn't even place, you know, a name to the feeling and I was like, wow. And you know, from then on, that was how it started. I never took it off again. <laughs> wow, subhanAllah. So how old was you at that time? I was 19. Okay, mashallah. Okay, alhamdulillah. Okay, I wanted to ask you a little bit about, um, I mean, you said that you went to the Islamiyah, but then there were certain things that you didn't, um, you know, get to learn about till you entered university. So was you studying Islam at university as well? Or was there other avenues that um, you managed to learn more about Islam when you went to university? Okay, so I'm, I wasn't studying Islamic studies, I was studying chemistry. Okay. But um, they had these um, halakas in the masjids. We have mm -hmm. masjids in our hostel, right? Mm -hmm. So after Subhi and after Maghrib, that's between Maghrib and Isha, mm -hmm. we usually have um, arlims that come to give us some um, different okay. lessons ranging from hadith, um, tawheed, and um, there was one other one, fiqh. Okay. So, um, you know, today you attend, tomorrow you don't, but little by little you pick things that sink in without you actually knowing they were sinking in. So that was the avenue. So I was getting more insights into the tenets, the proper tenets of Islam and how they work, unlike the um, carpet training or knowledge we're getting in the traditional Islamias. Here, what we were getting in the halakas was were more detailed and more practical. Like they 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 had a way of um, relating everything that was taught to our practical lives, and so it was easier to kind of like imbibe some of those things. And um, I think that was where. It really helped a lot in my journey to understanding the din better and um, all of that. Alhamdulillah. And Alhamdulillah. then the circles I got, as in that was where I got to meet sisters that were, you know, more grounded than I was, that were more conscious than I was. And Alhamdulillah, really, because, but for them, only Allah knows, right, how it should have been. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. Okay, so and so you met this other friend, and then from she was wearing the niqab, so you decided to try her niqab out one day, and from there you said you never took it off. So did you go and buy your own niqabs after that, or was, like what was the kind of process after that? Did somebody did somebody give you a niqab to continue wearing? Yeah, she actually gave me that one. When I told, I got back to the hostel and I was just in her about the the experience. And she was like, you can't keep it. And I was like, really? That was like so... I wasn't expecting that kind of generosity. So I was like, wow, how would somebody just, you know, hand over something this important to her, to me, just like that. And so that was how I got my first... Um, um niqab and long hijab because before then i wasn't even using the hijab i was just using my abayas and the veils you know mm -hmm. you just wrap around and um that was it alhamdulillah alhamdulillah so um would you say that you found it easy wearing the niqab especially to university i mean it was you you was already in uni and did you have any kind of strange reactions from people you know was there any issues 
Yeah, I really had a lot of strange reactions because they were like, how is it possible for it to just change overnight? <laughs> what happened? Who were... Like, I had friends that were like, are you sure nothing is wrong? Are you sure nobody is forcing you? And I was like, no, really. One said, but you came for lectures this morning without it. Then what happened? All of a sudden, I was like, God, I can't even explain it. So that was um, at the part of my friends. Then the major challenges were from my lecturers who felt um, there was a need for me to be identifiable, right? Mm -hmm. Outrightly, without them having to ask me to unveil and all of that. So that was, um, that was basically the obstacles I faced. It was mainly with this, uh, my lecturers but with my friends over time they accepted it and um it was fine alhamdulillah so um your university was that still in the in the muslim majority north yes okay. funny enough the famous ahmed Bello university is right here abu <laughs> mashallah okay, alhamdulillah and um, would you say that you've ever experienced any kind of abuse for wearing the, the niqab at all I wouldn't call it an abuse. It was more of um, um, what would I call it? Intimidation, right? Okay. Where they tell you, okay, you can't go in here. You have to get it off of your face, mm. or you're not allowed. Okay, like there was a time I was teaching, and as soon as I get to the gate of the school, the principal tells you you have to put this off because you're going to scare the students and stuff oh, like that. God. It wasn't really um a case of um an obstacle per se. Mm -hmm. That was about it. It wasn't so yeah. much of. Alhamdulillah. So, what about your family themselves? Um, how did they um react to your new attire? Mm, there was a bit of a um of a friction initially because. You know, when you start something and you don't really know the tenets behind it, you find mm -hmm. it difficult to even explain what you're doing. Yes. So when I was asked why I was even doing it, I couldn't really, I couldn't properly explain to them. So that kind of like made it difficult initially. But over time, they understood with me and um, they accepted it. Thank I even you. had cousins then that when they see me, they start running away and be crying. Like, <laughs> wow. But they later got used to it over time. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Okay, Alhamdulillah. So, um, what, um, can you talk a little bit about work now as well? Because you mentioned that you was teaching at one point. So, how has your experience in general been teaching? Like, what kind of jobs? What kind of different jobs have you been able to do with the niqab? Okay. Um. All through, I had taught in various schools, from public schools to private schools. Mm -hmm. And in the private schools, it was more, um, the environment was friendlier because they were Islamic, um, Islamic schools. Mm -hmm. So they didn't really have issues with me teaching in the niqab. Okay, the first school said, I can wear it in the school, but I can't go to class with it, which was fine. Okay. Then the second school was, um, to my utter amazement, they said I could go into class with it and the students didn't have a problem understanding because because of my first experience I was thinking it was posing as a barrier between yeah. myself and um, 
students really getting the message I was communicating. But I later got to realize that the major thing was for me to be able to articulate myself properly in such a way that whoever it is I was speaking with will easily understand me and get the message I was passing on. So for those two schools, it was quite easy, but it was now my third school, which was a public school, that I found um, it really challenging because it was in a predominantly Christian area. Right. And so a site like that wasn't something they were used to. Mm-hmm. So you get those um, glances that were like, are you sure you're supposed to be here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the principal who tells me this is not the place for you to use this kind of attire. This is a public, um, this is a government facility. There are codes of conduct. But luckily for me, I was able to transfer from that school to a different one. And um, from there, it was it was much better. Okay, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. And um, what about getting married as well? Like when, when you started wearing the niqab, were you already married? Because that's sometimes one of the things that, um, especially young sisters, you know, say that happens to them when they put the niqab on. People are, tell them things like, oh, how are you going to get married now because you've covered your face or this kind of stuff. So like, how was that for you? Um, I actually started using it before marriage. Mm-hmm. And um, funny enough, <laughs> I had more suitors using the niqab prior to Subhanallah. <laughs> prior to before I started. So I really it wasn't a challenge. Like I really didn't have issues with it at all regarding that aspect. And then um the person I finally married was my cousin or is my cousin. Mm-hmm. And um being that his family, so the it wasn't much of an issue getting him to understand that this is um, who I am, this is why I do this, and um, it's not going to pose a challenge in the marriage in mm-hmm. general. It's just something that is between me and Allah, and if he really loves Allah and he really loves me, then this shouldn't be a problem. Because he felt, how would he like show me to his friends and all of that? And I'm like, I'm not married to your friends. I'm married to you. Of course. So I, that isn't my problem. Mm-hmm. So after a while, he he got used to it, and um, that was it. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, mashallah. So um, how did you get to be doing the your work that you do now? Are you are you still teaching at the moment, as well as doing the, your um your your business, or is is it just something I, completely separate? No, I resigned three years back okay and um, the reason why immediately was because as a teacher I had a lot ongoing okay I had a physical business back then I was running which was a fashion business so I was having um issues marketing my product I didn't know how to get clients how to get customers mm-hmm. and um it was in my quest to look for a solution to that and prior to that I wasn't even online I didn't have any online presence I didn't know about Instagram I had a Facebook profile you know in the Mm -hmm. onset in the early 2004 2005 
when this Facebook thing started, everybody was rushing to the cyber cafes to get an account. Mm-hmm. So I had a Facebook profile from way back, but it was um, dormant. I wasn't using it for anything. And I didn't even know you could use it for anything, actually. So it was um, when, while I was still teaching and doing my sewing business, I was looking for ways to get customers, right? Because my major customers were just family, friends, and colleagues. That was one. Then two, I still having health issues with my arm and my back mm-hmm. as a result of the um, um, prolonged standing. So I was just looking at, I'm looking for an alternative means of earning that won't require so much physical exertion, right? Mm-hmm. And um, somehow, I don't even know how. Okay, I visited a friend and I saw her scrolling through her phone and I asked her, what are you doing? She said she's looking for style inspirations. And I'm like, where are you looking for style inspirations? She said Instagram. And I was like, what is Instagram? This was in 2018. So I was like, what is Instagram? She was like, you've never heard of me? I was like, no, never. So she just said, give me your phone. And then she downloaded the app. And funny enough, as I got onto the app, the first post I saw was from um, She Leads Africa. I think they are, I don't know if they're an NGO of some sort. And it was a call to learn digital marketing to Mm -hmm. um, grow your business. So it was almost as if Allah just (laughs) brought a solution to the problem I was looking for at the perfect time, right? And so I clicked on the link and it took me to a form. I filled the form. And the training was to be a physical one, which I really appreciated because um, I'm a really slow learner. I'm dyslexic. So learning takes me a long time, like really long. So that was um, how the journey to the digital marketing space started. Actually, when they're looking for a solution to a problem I had, and at the end of the day, I got so good that I was able to like, get the solution to that problem and seeing that there were people like me who were also having similar issues as I had in the beginning I now started helping them to like um, surmount this challenge so this was how it all started so (laughs) yourself you started teaching others and that turned into the business yes wow alhamdulillah that's great alhamdulillah so how long have you been doing that for Okay, this is my third year. This is going to be the third year because I officially started in 2019, late 2019. Okay, alhamdulillah. So have you got any um, free tips that you can give to any of the sisters who are listening now? Yeah, basically, um, as with everything in life, you need to understand where you are at the moment and where you want to be, right? Mm-hmm. So with the digital marketing platform, it's just like you having a child. When you give birth to a child, there are processes or stages he has to undergo, right? He has to pass through mm-hmm. to get to becoming an adult. So when starting out, don't expect, don't put too much expectations on yourself. Start with the barest minimum, which is understanding what exactly you want from any platform you are on. So are you running a physical business? Are you running a personal brand, right? As a content creator or anything of that sort? Or are you running a service-based business? Depending on what it is you're running, understand your own voice. Mm -hmm. By your voice, I mean, 
who are you as a person outside that's when there are no people how do you relate to people normally that is a person you should be don't don't try to assume a personality that yes. you're not mm-hmm. people you better when they feel like you're 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 being your normal self you're being your natural self it's like they have this way of telling when you're faking it yes so first of all try to understand who you really are what you are who you are what you stand for and then what kind of impact you want to make when you've understood that you now ask yourself what kind of people or what kind of persons do I want to work with? Initially, I had this problem because I felt I needed to work with everybody. Yes. But down the line or down the line, and I now understood, no, I don't need to work with everybody. I just need to work with people whose beliefs and ideologies and general life outlook aligns with mine. And since I made this switch, it kind of like made things easier for me. You know, I, as in, I, I, I now feel at ease, you know, talking because I now feel like I'm talking with people who understand me and whom I understand and based on my own messaging they feel like yes I think I can connect with this person so you have to like do a great deal of work trying to understand who are the kinds of people you would want to work with definitely not everybody so take your time who are they are they male are they female Mm -hmm. what are their um, age you know their age um category yes i did you want to work with strictly muslims you want to work with a mixed religions mm-hmm. what exactly are you looking for in an ideal client like sit yourself down because that makes it much easier for you in the beginning to get your messaging right and don't worry if you're not getting it right remember they said um, practice the more practice, you get more experience, and the more experience you gain, the better you get at things. And all of these takes consistency. Mm-hmm. Like you don't try it once and then it doesn't work out, you don't give up tomorrow. No. Just as you eat every day to grow, you need to do at least one activity every day to take you closer to the end results you're looking for in your business. Okay. And uh, the most important one I left out was. It's not going to happen by your will, by your wisdom, by your strategies. It's going to happen solely by Allah's will and mercy. Absolutely. So in the first place, let Allah know. Always tell Allah, beg him, ask him, let him be your guide. You just put your own path down, like plant your own seed, water it, put your fertilizer, and then leave the rest to Allah, like completely. I didn't understand this early enough, and it, it cost me so much heartaches and anxiety and headaches. But now that I understand it, oh my God, Alhamdulillah. So that's like basically all I can give off the bat. Alhamdulillah, that's a lot. Mashallah, you've given a lot. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, for that. Alhamdulillah. So I noticed that um with your online um platform that you're using Instagram that you do show you know yourself in the nakab and and everything. So you mentioned working with your ideal clients and this kind of stuff. So have you um faced any kind of barriers? Do you think, or was you did you have any kind of um you know kind of um you know uh, what's the um what's the word not anxiety but like um was you maybe hesitant to show yourself in the naqab online in the beginning or did you just you know was you feel do you feel confident to just present yourself online as a naqabi sister you know running your business 
Well, initially, I felt reluctant. I didn't really feel reluctant. I felt very reluctant. Because prior to the online journey, I had always been someone who kept to herself. Like, I bury myself in books. I don't socialize with people. Like, I don't even have friends. Do you understand that kind of life? Mm-hmm. So practically always alone even when I'm at home with family like I'm the one at the corner far end of the room while everyone is socializing so it was um I I communicated better in writing so back then I had my primary um means of communicating was by writing I write a lot so people were, were um, connecting with me based on the things I was writing. They had no idea who I was or what I looked like in person. So um, when I started on the path of self-development, I now start to understand it is the way you take yourself that people will take you. How you present yourself doesn't really matter. It's how you believe, how much believing you have in yourself how much faith or yeah, like only faith you have in your abilities is what will like um, be communicated to whoever is listening to you. So if you're being skeptical about showing yourself, then it could be that you've not fully accepted yourself for who you are. Because once you do, it will be easier for that um um, energy to be, you know, shared or communicated between yourself and whomsoever is listening to you. So I did start showing myself online till in um, 2020. After I started reading a lot of books, listening to a lot of podcasts, mm-hmm. and to my like to my utter amazement, right? The first day I shared my picture with my Nicole on a group, one of the groups I was in, I gained 700 followers. Mashallah. And I was like, what? So it was was amazing. So they connected more with the story than with the person. And so by the time they now saw the person, they were ready to accept me for who I was and not what I looked like. So that was where I understood people follow value, right? Mm-hmm. If they feel you have value to give, they don't care what you look like or what you don't look like. In fact, they don't even care if you have a face. All they are after is the value you have to give. And so that kind of like made it easier for me to now, you know, become more comfortable putting myself out there. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. So um, would you say that you feel that there's a difference between the way sisters who wear the niqab get treated compared to sisters who wear the hijab? In most cases, yes, there are. I definitely are. Because I have had instances where prior to meeting a person, when we, when, we, when we interact online, like on WhatsApp most of the time, they're like, oh, wow, I love the way you talk. Like, you're so full of wisdom and all of that. And the day you now finally meet in person, they'll be like, oh, is this you? Do you get like this disappointed? is this you? Like, he gives the niqab. <laughs> it's almost as if they don't expect you as a niqab to be that wise or to mm. be that full of stuff. <laughs> so oh, I find it, I don't know what to call it, but 
I'm like, well, I don't blame you. I understand where you're coming from. But I get that a whole lot of times, like a whole lot. So it takes um, somebody with a degree of um, um, intellectual intelligence to accept you as you are without, you know, that preconceived judgment. But in most cases, the treatment is always different, like always different. Um, okay, so I wanted to ask you as well, have you ever met any sisters who've been forced to wear the niqab? No, not at all. Rather, I have met sisters who were asking me where they could get the niqab so they could start wearing it. Alhamdulillah. And what about sisters who maybe they really want to wear it, but they're maybe family members, husband is preventing them from doing so? Yeah, I came across a few of those and um, I told them, okay, there was, in fact, there's still one at the moment who really wants, according to her, she wants to use it, but her husband has um, stamped his foot that no, he doesn't want it. Hmm. And uh, She's not using it, and in her own case, I just asked her to pray to Allah to guide her and also pray to him to make her husband understand if this is um, really something she feels she doesn't want to do without. So because um, to the best of my understanding, it's not compulsory, it's not wajib to use, so... Mm -hmm. If you can get the person preventing you from using it, so accept it, understand it to a point of acceptance. I feel it's better than trying to like um um how would I put it? Go about it in such a way that it causes a friction or a problem in your marriage mm -hmm. at the end of the day. Like there are there are preferences. There there's a scale of preference between the words of your husband and since not using the niqab is not outright disobedience of like a major tenet of the deen i feel it's not something you should like go um be so headstrong about that it causes a friction in your marriage which is more of a primary assignment than the niqab so she's still working on him and uh, there are times when she goes out she actually uses it like when we're going to the market. She's like, she, she doesn't feel really comfortable, but she doesn't take it home. You get, mm. but she doesn't even have in his presence. So I know she's that passionate about it, but she's still working on getting him to accept. Okay. And so I told her, just do everything you know makes him happy. And mm. over time, when he sees how much you're invested in this thing, Allah will touch his heart and he will accept it. So that's like the only closest person I would say is um, having issues currently, wanting to use it and um, not being able to. So um, have you had any experience yourself traveling with the Nakabon, whether it's outside the country or within Nigeria itself? Because I know it's quite a large country. <laughs> Several experiences. You know, there used to be a time where we had several um, serious security challenges as a result of um, 
the insurgency. Mm -hmm. So um, at checkpoints, we're always required to like, you know, unveil so that they check your identity and be sure you're the person on your ID card. And there were times when um, you'd be told not so subtly, um, gently, get that thing off your face. Wow. Are you a terrorist? <laughs> and I love that. So in those cases, even though I take it off, I let them understand that it wasn't necessary for you to talk to me that way. Mm -hmm. Simply tell me to take it off for these reasons. And I understand. I will. But you don't go insulting me, calling me names, all because I use this. So at the end, like they, they are aggressive in the beginning, but as a result of the way I address them, they mellow down. They be like, oh, Hachia, sorry, you know, because of the way things are, we have to be extra careful. I said extra, being extra careful doesn't mean you should be overly, you know, rude and um, all of that. So yeah, I've had several, several, several of those. I mean, sometimes you want to go into the banking hall and they tell you you can't go in like this mm. or even go to the market and they'd be like, you have to show us your hands because we've had cases where people dressed like you steal stuff from the uh, shops and I'm like, are you for real? Wow. Do I look like such behind you? Like, I don't know. Your, your face is covered. Wow. And so sometimes and and that kind of like made me detest going to the public market like i would rather place orders online than go to the market mm -hmm. because of such um cases and um those are like a few challenges wow <laughs> okay so um what what kind of advice would you give to other muslim sisters who like yourself obviously you know you've started when you started to wear the niqab you've been wearing it for quite some years now um and so they want to wear the niqab but maybe they don't feel confident or you know how you was in the beginning they feel that isn't something they could never be able to do um you know for a variety of reasons what advice would you give them well the first advice is um understand you're not doing it for yourself it's like an added bonus between you and Allah because I feel I am doing it for Allah's um, pleasure. There are other things I'm not doing. And if this can take me a step closer to Allah, then any day, any time, right? So first and foremost, understand the reason why you're using it. Even though in my own case, it, was, it wasn't like that, but that was how Allah guided me to it, right? But I'm pretty sure he must have seen my heart or something of that nature that made me, him guide me. Like you really never can tell. Something. so always 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 prefer your intentions why already we already know the good things attached to it right those who value it place you in a higher note people don't see you on the way and whistle at you and um, see all sort of things and there are just so many good things that's one two your own self build up your confidence build up your belief in yourself that's practically where um, it all stems from. Because if you don't trust you, you don't believe in you, you don't have so much confidence in you as an individual, those around, around you won't. And uh, it will be easy for them to trample upon you and your rights, right? Mm -hmm. But when you know all of these things, it kind of like makes it easier 
for you to navigate whatever challenges present themselves to you. So I think that's basically it. Know that you're not doing it for yourself. You're doing it for Allah's sake with the aim that Allah rewards you in some way because you're obeying a tenet or a sunnah of the Rasul then know yourself, be confident in yourself as an individual, and um, leave it up to Allah. It will be very easy, inshallah. Inshallah, inshallah. So finally, sister, what does the nakab mean to you? For me, it's like, um, number one, it's practically my identity, right? Mm. Without my niqab, I don't feel me. I don't feel like me. Like people even don't even know it is me when they don't see my niqab. So it's become it's become part of my identity. And the most important one is um is just a way for me, right? To get closer to Allah Ta'ala. I mean there are other things I can't do. If he has made this one easy for me, then Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, I know I'm gaining extra pleasures for doing it solely for his sake so these are my two primary um um that's what niqab means to me it's practically my identity and then it's a way for me to gain a less pleasure sister. So, inshallah, um, I thank you very much for your time today. You've given a, a good chunk of your time, alhamdulillah. And um, about your business as well, I was going to say, if we can, inshallah, put your um, Instagram details in the description box so that if there's anybody who is interested in using your services, then they can get in touch with you as well, inshallah. Thank you for having me. And barakallahu fiki wa fikum jami'ah for what you're doing. May Allah make you weigh heavily on your skill of good deeds and um, accept you as an act of ibadah. Amen. Wa iyaki sister. Have a blessed day, inshallah. And you too. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.